And I could see how, because of the way I'm wired, I would be more drawn to having kind of like a poly vision and value set while just being with one person. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult the medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 146. We're Finn and Emma, and today we are talking to Leah. She is a relationship junkie, I would say. Well, she say. Yeah. She say we didn't we didn't say she say. <laughs> and she reached out to us a few weeks back, um, sort of in the in the throes of a relationship crisis. Yeah, originally, kind of. A light crisis. Yeah, light crisis. She was sort of being unicorn hunted and was a little bit like unsure about it, reached out to us and sort of accidentally fell into... Coming on the show? Well, that was... we. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> she sort of accidentally fell into non-monogamy, uh, as you'll hear her talk about. But it is, it's a great conversation about... You know, standing up for yourself, setting boundaries, communicating, you know, with compassion um, and and really just like self-discovery. So it's a fantastic episode and we really hope you enjoy it. One other thing about Leah that we wanted to throw out there in the intro here is that she also a couple of years back after getting ghosted on a date and she'll talk more about this, but she started uh, a Facebook discussion group uh, around Esther Perel and her work, and it has grown to just about 12,000 members. So yeah. if it's something you're interested in, there are links in the show notes. She's doing great work and building a great community, and it, we love to see that. You should definitely go check it out. Hey, speaking of communities, yeah, we, Emma, are you in any communities? <laughs> we also have a community. Over the last year, we have grown an amazing community of over 100 people. Point yeah, one thousand. <laughs> As I, sure. as I like to say. Point 1,000. Uh, through Patreon. And if you're part of that community, you get to, to access to our private MeWe group. It's a chat app if you are not familiar with MeWe. So you can chat and communicate with everyone on the, in the group. You, we also have monthly Q&As. And our next Q&A is going to be next Wednesday. That's September 30th. And if you missed next one, if you're listening to this after that, we'll have one in October as well. Yeah, we do them every month. They're not really so much a Q&A as they are discussion. like a, a discussion and a, a chance to connect with other people. We do them twice. We do one at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern and one again at 9 p.m. Pacific. You can join both of them if you would like. And yeah, it's just a fantastic time to connect with other people who are exploring non-monogamy. So we've, we've been having a great time and we love doing them every month. Yeah. We also have a women's group and we have a monthly discussion call with that and a private chat for that as well. And it's amazing. We just had our last, last week we had our last women's call and we'll have another one in the middle of October. Yeah. Those are, those are super awesome. Mm-hmm. And we also have been doing virtual meet and greets. Uh, we'll keep this super short right now because we just did one this past weekend. It was fantastic. We, yeah, had, we had over 30 people. Yeah. We had a ton of people. It was great. Everyone was laughing, having a wonderful time. We've been doing these every month. We've got a 
another one coming up on October 16th. So if you want to learn more about that, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the meet and greet tab or just go down in your show notes of your podcast player and there will be links there. You can learn all about it. And we've talked about it in past episodes and we'll talk about it in future ones. And just to be clear, this these virtual meet and greets are open to everyone. They are not just for Patreon members. So please join us. You don't have to be a Patreon member to check it out. That is very true. Mm-hmm. One other thing we wanted to say while we were here, while we had your ear, was <laughs> a huge thank you to our sponsor for today's episode. That is Alt Playground. Yes. Alt Playground is an open-minded group of people. It's a dating website where you can meet all kinds of really fun, sexy people. Yeah. it's a, Again, as Emma said, an online dating community full of swingers, polyamorous people, open-minded people, and just a huge diverse array of people. And they are growing uh, in leaps and bounds. They exponentially. Have, exponentially. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They've been acquiring uh, other dating websites and really growing their reach over the last couple of months. So we're super excited to be a part of that. And they even launched a new feature just recently. Yeah, their news feed allows you to keep up to date with their different contacts that you have on there. And they also have new events that they post and of course, naughty pictures. Naughty pictures. I put all my naughty pictures on there. Do you? Yep. It's just a feed of dick pics. Okay. I mean, it's nice. I didn't know this about you. It's a nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's a, I agree. It's a okay, great. I'm, it's a great photos, but I didn't know that you put them out there. Well, I like to share them <laughs> with the community. So anyway, if you're looking for that or other open-minded people, head over to altplayground.net. Sign up, check it out. Uh, we do not have any discount codes or referral codes for this. We're, um, that's not how this is working. So go check it out, sign up, and we will see you over there. And he, you'll see a little bit of me. Yeah. You can also find links on our website. That is true. You actually won't see any pictures of my penis on this website. <laughs> that was a <laughs> joke. Speaking of pictures of penis on the internet, we wanted to throw one more thing out there. <laughs> that I, no, a, that's a transition. That was a solid you transition. See where, you'll see where this is going. <laughs> I know. We, a couple, uh, back in the middle of the summer, we went to the online Hump Film Fest. We did. We've done we've done it a few times in person, but obviously there's no going to movie theaters anymore. If you're not familiar with Hump Film Fest, it is hosted, created, founded by Dan Savage, um, one of the other smaller podcasts. You may not have heard of him. <laughs> but anyway, these are fantastic. He's not paying us to say this. He doesn't even know we're saying this unless he's listening. But we just, it's something that we found was a really great way to connect with friends. We actually did like a Zoom call with a couple friends and we all bought tickets and watched it together and then talked about it. And it was just a good time to chill out, relax, connect. And and to be clear, this is, it's a Hump Film Fest. It is amateur porn. It is amateur porn. Yep. User submitted porn. Again, not my penis, but other, <laughs> you will see other penises. And all different types and sizes and shapes of different uh, everything porn. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's pretty incredible. It's super awesome. Again, just throwing it out there because we love supporting other creators. And there are three more screenings of the 15th annual Hump Film Fest uh, coming up the next three weekends. So go check it out. Links in the show notes. If Link you're curious. In the show notes, they're at normalizingnonmonogamy.com where you can find all sorts of things, including reaching out to us saying hello. Let us know how much you love us or don't love us. To find those show notes, you just need to click on the podcast tab. And, make that very clear. And to contact us, you just click on the About Us tab, then click on the Contact tab. And you know what? Let's stop talking and go talk to Leia because, because it's a great story. Yeah, let's go. Thank you so much, Leia, for coming on the show. We're super excited that you reached out to us, and we can't wait to hear your story. So thank you for being here. 
Thank you, Emma. And I just want to just throw out a lot of gratitude to you because when I reached out to you, I think I was in a pretty confused place, definitely uncharted territory. And you were just so thoughtful in your reply. And it was just really helpful for me in terms of better understanding the dynamics of the situation I was in. So thank you again for taking time to, you know, to a total stranger to help them out. Well, thank you. I'm glad. Excuse me. I was lady. actually the first email response was Finn. That was I me. have to give oh, him that credit. Was, oh, that was, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Finn. <laughs> it's okay. It's hey, it's a it's a team we, sport. We do. We, no, uh, we do. We, we, we tag team the emails. So sometimes <laughs> it's me and sometimes it's oh, him. Okay. So that was you. Okay. Interesting. Nice. <laughs> I just wanted the world to know that I have some wisdom. <laughs> And I used it. I used every ounce of it into that email. <laughs> but no, it was, it was fantastic to hear sort of what you've been going through. And we're excited to take some of the things that you've learned over the last couple of weeks and months and years, years, and, <laughs> and your uh, life, <laughs> share them with the world. So, do you mind telling everyone who is Leia? Yeah. So uh, let's see. I'm 39. I live in Chicago. And I'm actually a really big relationship junkie. So um, Emma and Finn didn't know this when I reached out, but I run, I founded and I lead a relationship group on Facebook where about 12,000 members from across the globe. And it's my purpose. And it's one of the most, it's really like my passion. It's my passion and my purpose. I spend a ton of my free time uh, creating events and conversations for the group. Uh, we just had Esther Perel on, the famous uh, therapist, and she has a podcast called Where Should We Begin? Um, so even though I'm very new to polyamory, I bring you know some knowledge of relational skills to it. Yeah. Um, so, and outside of that, I work in marketing and um, I feel like that's pretty much enough to get started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think it's it's really exciting that, like you said, you have a a pretty strong foundation in relationships, love, and all that, but very new to the non monogamy sort of aspect of it in terms of practicing it. Maybe super new. Yeah. I mean, brand spanking new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we would love to hear how did you, I guess, how did you get into it? Because obviously, you've you've done a lot of research on relationships. So have you known about non-monogamy for a long time and just now decided to give it a whirl or did it just become apparent to you? Yeah. Like, well, this is, I didn't know this existed. I'm going to go for it. I totally stumbled into it unknowingly. So here's what happened. Um, I was introduced to a dating app actually through um, one of the group members who's based in Barcelona. And it's a dating app called Field, F-E-E-L-D. And it's known for being a little bit more open to alternative sexual experiences and relationship structures. And um, I was I was kind of like not super jazzed about any of the current dating apps I was on. So I was open to giving it a try. And I was, before I recommend anything to the group, I always want to like personally test it out myself. And so I was going to link it up in, in a post, um, but before I did so, I just wanted to, to feel it out. And so I set up a profile, and I actually was finding that the men I was connecting with were a lot better at communication than on other apps that I was on. So I was enjoying it. And um, there was a man's profile, and I wasn't necessarily drawn to his pictures. So his initial picture, like it, it wasn't like necessarily one that I would swipe on. But I noticed that he had listed 
um, as his interests, tennis and badminton. And I was captain of my badminton team in high school. It was like my, it was a huge part of like my high school experience. And it's a really like obscure random sport, right? And then tennis, obviously a lot more common, but tennis is like also a huge passion of mine. And so, um, you know, I'm like, you know what, worst case scenario, maybe I'll get a new tennis partner. <laughs> so I swiped and then we immediately matched. And after we matched, I started looking through the rest of his profile and the rest of his pictures were of a woman. So he was actually on there interested in exploring like threesomes and play. But you hadn't read that far to know that. And she was hooked up in badminton. <laughs> totally, totally hadn't read that far. Um, yeah, I was, I got, I got so jazzed by the badminton. I like prematurely swiped, right? Um, and, and then, um, and then we matched and we started chatting. And I can't remember, I can't remember like how the dialogue went, but I, I did share with him. I'm like, listen, I have to be honest. Like, um, I'm really not interested in threesomes. I'm, I'm not sexually attracted to women, but I saw the tennis of badminton. I got excited. And so he said, well, why don't we meet up? Um, so him and his partner and me and like worst case scenario, it'll be a picnic on a nice sunny day. And so we did meet up the three of us and, I wasn't even sure, like, I'm like, is this a date? There's like three of us here. How does this work? He's like, it's a date. So we just had a really nice time. We played some like lawn games. We had a picnic. We chatted. And right as um, we were parting ways, I got a text from him. And he said, we'll call him C and we'll call his partner B. So C said, um, you know, we had so much fun with you. We'd love to go out to dinner next weekend. And I really enjoyed it, too. And it was funny because throughout the week, I was getting this feeling like this, like not so good feeling in my body because, um, I, I hadn't really shared with them, um, that I was noticing. I'm like, I'm trying to think through different scenarios of how it would, could work with me and a woman and was was like just feeling a lot of discomfort as I envisioned possible things. And then similarly, like for me, sex is a really like intimate, sacred experience between two people. I've never really been drawn to like group sex or orgies or threesomes. And so wasn't really like feeling that dynamic either. And I remember I really love sending like video messages instead of like sending a text or an, even an audio message. So I sent him a video message where I just shared very candidly. I said, you know, I've been thinking through uh, like what's possible and I'm just realizing I'm really heterosexual and I, I wanted to just be as clear as I could with you as soon as I had that awareness before we go any further. And so, and he, he was just always like really appreciative of like my awareness, my self-awareness and my communication. And he said, like, it really means a lot that you're sharing this. Let's, let's give it another go and see what happens. Him and his partner were so backtracking. He was, um, dating a woman when he met his current partner. So I think at the time he identified as Polly and she identified as monogamous, um, but she was open to dating him while he was with um, another partner. And they maybe kind of like loosely dated for a couple months and then became more serious. So after they were serious, the man continued to date his initial partner for about six months and then they broke up. And then since, say, like end of October of 2019, they've just been monogamous. So they've been together for about a year and nine months. 
And about 10 months of that has been just the two of them. Around COVID, like March, they were talking about opening things up, but hadn't really gotten far because things like shut down kind of right when they were ready to dive in. So I was their very first experience with, um, with opening up and they were mine as well. So, so I, I shared the video where I was like really, really clear, um, definitely heterosexual and I'm not uh, interested in three, threesomes either. And they, they wanted to kind of see like what was possible. So on our second date, which was with the three of us, we ended up having a really good conversation at the end of the night where we talked about uh, the guy, C, and I having a solo date and his partner was really fine with that. And all throughout this time, I think he and I had very um, similar needs and communication styles. So the needs were around like he and I both love developing emotional and physical intimacy through texting and our, and just, um, it just, I don't know, it, we're, we're kind of like, you know, building off of each other and co-creating together. And it was like really amazing. That's actually one of like, what I think of my needs in a relationship, like that's such a huge part of it. It's so like meaningful for me. And so we were developing a lot of energy through, you know, over the course of say like a month, we were messaging each other like all throughout the day. And it was getting pretty sexual, not necessarily like overtly sexual, but more just like talking about all of the things that we wanted to explore with each other and our fantasies and what turns us on and learning about the other's fantasies, etc. And so by the time we had our first solo date, there was a ton of like energy and sexual tension built up. And also because we're not able to kiss, um, it's just like taking that off the table puts kind of other things on the table because we want to connect and we want to be physical, but we can't kiss. So, you know, anyway. Is that a, is that a COVID because of COVID or yeah. because? Yeah, okay. Because I didn't know if there was another. Like if, rules. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so our, our solo date, we met up around 5 PM. I think it was a Friday and uh, we were, having sushi together outside on the patio. And then we went to a park, you know, it was just, it was wonderful. It was like one of those like beautiful, magical nights that you just will remember forever, you know, um, great energetic connection, great conversation, great chemistry. And we ended up, um, I won't go too explicit, but we had, we had a sexual act in the park that was allowed when he was with the previous partner, kind of the original partner that he was seeing while he was dating me, uh, but that hadn't been discussed related to me. And I learned after the fact, it, it was tough because, you know, he and I had this really magical experience and we, you know, we both felt that way. And the next morning we were texting each other and like, you know, asking each other, like, what, what, what was your favorite moment about the date and talking about like the next weekend and what we would do. And then uh, it became clear to me that his partner was super hurt and triggered by the solo date. And she was upset about the length of time that we spent together um, and upset about the physical act. And she ended up asking, and I guess um, maybe in her mind, she just didn't think to like talk through potential things that would happen. Like in her mind, it was just a first date, but in our minds, we had been building up like a month of like incredible sexting and like sharing about ourselves and intimacy, you know? 
So I think that they, uh, they didn't end up like talking through potential things that could happen and therefore like her boundaries. And so she ended up in in being hurt and triggered. She asked for uh, two weeks of no contact. And she and I are pretty different in terms of our styles. So for me, when I'm in conflict, well, just generally, but especially when I'm in conflict, communication feels like a lifeline to me. Like it's really important that we talk about it, that we like that we don't wait two weeks, but like we address it as soon as the emotions have died down, you know, say 24 hours or 48 hours that we talk through it, that it's collaborative, you know, that I'm included. And basically what she was requesting is that he not contact me and they sorted out the two of them. And I felt really kind of like objectified a little bit. Like I wasn't being treated like an equal human being with feelings, you know, and needs um, and also like really shut out and just kind of like suddenly dropped. And, and additionally, like I was a threat and not like, a, you know, a complimentary or contributing member of this dynamic. Right. So, um, so the two weeks pass and we reconnect and C says, um, you know, unfortunately B and I are not on the same page right now about non-monogamy and it's not looking like we will be anytime soon. And so at, at that point I shared, you know, um, I said, you know, sorry, that sounds really tough. You know, I've been giving a lot of thought to my relationship vision and values. And I think we're on different ends of the spectrum. You know, I'm really more drawn to an egalitarian uh, form of polyamory, not necessarily equal, like I get it. They're a couple, you know, they're, they just moved in together. They're talking about possibly having kids down the road. Uh, I don't want kids. I love living alone. So it doesn't have to be equal, but in terms of like how we're treated as human beings, I need to feel equal in that sense. You know, like there's care, there's care towards my feelings and my experience. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, I shared, I'm seeing that because of where we're at in this journey, and the different levels of comfort, I'm also seeing like we're on different ends of the spectrum. And I said, you know, I'm going to hold the night that we shared and and our interactions close to my heart, and I wish you both the best. And, um, and then I heard back from him. And he, uh, he asked if I would be open to like reconnecting in in six months or a year. And I said, um, I would only be open to reconnecting if at time, you and your partner share my vision for relationships, which is much less like hierarchical, much less rooted in like rules. I actually really, um, I don't feel comfortable if there's a lot of like sharing, like reporting on the texts that we're sending, our sexting, our physical intimacy. Obviously, like disclosure is important, uh, especially as we're talking about like sexual health, totally fine with that. But I really value privacy and intimacy. To me, it's, again, I, I said it earlier, it's like this sacred thing that's shared between two people. And I think because of her discomfort with the non-monogamy, she was trying to calm herself with a lot of disclosure, which was like feeling like a violation of my privacy. So I shared, I would be open to reconnecting if at, at the time that you reach out, you and any partners you're involved with share my relationship vision. But uh, you know, if that's not the case, and if you're not fully emotionally and physically available, 
you know, I wouldn't be interested in reconnecting. And he was super, you know, he's like, totally understand, you know, if anything changes, and you want to reach out, you know, beforehand, there's an open door. So that's kind of how we ended things. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for sharing. Yeah, no, thank you so much for walking us through that. And so just to be clear, like, that's your only so to date, like your only main polyamorous experience, correct? I mean, not even main. My only one. Your only one. Your only (laughs) one. (laughs) Well, and I guess it it brings up the question, is it something that now that you've started to learn about polyamory and you've probably done some research and you've done some soul searching on what you want out of a relationship, do you think that it's a model that you would be interested in, you know, and maybe perhaps different forms where you have two or three or five, whatever the number, partners and they may have some other partners or, you know, I guess there's always, there's still the, maybe you are the, another, in a, you know, in a triad of some sort or a V or whatever the dynamic, is it something long story, long question short, geez, uh, mm-hmm. is it something that you're interested in exploring further down the non-monogamy route? And yeah, I'm, I'm so drawn to it. Um, and I'll share some reasons why I think first and foremost, what I noticed in the, in the dynamic was that there were some things that C was experiencing with B that was very meaningful, um, like BDSM, which I'm really not drawn to. I'm not totally against it, but in talking through it, I don't get turned on. So I'm like, I'm open to it, but it's not my jam. You know, other things are like so much more my jam. You know, they want to have kids, totally not interested in having kids. They want to share like a domestic experience. I really like living alone. I'm super emotional feelings. And I think his partner is less so. I think that's actually one of the reasons why we had such like an explosive connection is because we both have like deep needs around emotional intimacy. And I'm not saying that there's not emotions there, but it's like, they're just different styles of connecting. And I'm a very like feelings person. So what I loved and what I could see being so valuable is that we were complementary. Like we weren't, it wasn't like, oh, well, I love to be submissive and I want to have kids. And we were like competing in these different areas. It was like, there were so many things that she and they were into, which were totally not my thing. And there were things that I was into that weren't like her or their thing. And so that seems to make so much sense. You know, Esther Perel has this great quote, we now go to one person, what we used to go to an entire village for. And it makes so much sense that like one person isn't going to be able to meet all of our needs. And what a beautiful thing if you can use like self-awareness and communication to, you know, to, to get your needs met through, you know, different people. And it's funny because I actually don't get excited when I think about non-monogamy and like my journey forward. I'm a lot less excited. Oh, I get to have all of these partners. What really excites me, and I kind of alluded to this initially, is I love exploring relationships and relationship dynamics and talking about them. And what I didn't even realize is it's like such a norm in non-monogamy. It's like everything is really talked through. You get clear on your boundaries. When feelings come up, you process them either solo or together. And all of that stuff is like so attractive to me. Right. So I guess I had a uh, maybe a follow-up on that of, 
let's say for example, and I know there's just, I'm going to start like throwing hypotheticals at you for the next hour. I, I don't plan to do that, but like, let's say that you found another partner and they had another partner. And so this, let's say this hypothetical person is dating two people and the other woman is like a clone of you. So you and this other partner aren't complimentary. You are very similar. Yeah. Do you think you would, do you think there would be some type of um, like competition or do you, I guess not not necessarily competition, but do you think you'd feel differently if it wasn't like she gives them all the red M&Ms and I give them all the blue M&Ms, whatever analogy we want for the, the offsetting. It's so hard to say. It's interesting. I don't think of my, or I tend not to feel jealousy in comparison. And I'm not sure why it is. I do know that I, I'm very independent. I love a lot of alone time. And I've always been that way, like as lo- as far back as I can remember. And I just don't fall into comparison a lot. I have other stuff. Like I, um, you know, my mom became bipolar when I was 13. And so we went from like incredible connection to like really volatile connection. And so for sure, um, like sensitivity around intense connection and it just dropping off. If that sounds reminiscent of what happened, it's that's like right. a very triggering experience for me. So I have other stuff that's like really sensitive, like we would call it like a core wound, but the jealousy in comparison less so. So I'm trying to think through like, so let's say, um, so it would be my partner, like my metamor, right? Like my partner. Okay. And, and she was just like me and she like loved pole dancing and she like founded a relationship group that she runs. I don't know. To me, like, that's, that's awesome. Like, let's go pole dancing together. Let's like, you know, interview each other on our groups. I just don't, I don't, um, I don't think that that's a place that I tend to go. Um, and we all have our stuff and I just don't think that that's like a really sensitive spot for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I was just curious because yeah. you talked about like how you saw it from the aspect of we had yeah. complimentary things that we were giving to yeah. this sort of middleman. Yeah. And, yeah, and when someone's the same or very, very similar, it can bring up, it can it bring could, up for sure. Yeah. The year, like the competition. And who knows, like maybe I would, but kind right. of in thinking through it, I think of more like, Oh, like we'd be great friends then, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, do, yeah. You, do you see yourself ever having multiple partners yourself? Yeah. Um, It's so like, who knows, you know, it's so hard to tell. I actually had a really good conversation. Uh, So I've just started to date kind of as a solo poly persona. And I had a great conversation tonight with a guy. It was funny. He, um, he was saying that he, he considers himself monogamous, but his ex, they broke up because she moved across the country was polyamorous. And so through that, he had read like ethical slot and dove into some other things. And I think he's, he's open to it. I just, I, I have no idea. I tend to feel deeply and I could see how, because of the way I'm wired, I would be more drawn to having kind of like a poly vision and value set while just being with one person. But who knows, you know, it's, that's kind of like the, I just feel like this whole experience has opened up so much in terms of, in terms of like connection, in terms of like my own self-awareness. So 
I feel like really anything's possible. And maybe I'll do like in six months, I'll do like a part two and I'll let you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it sounds like, you know, for you, and this is something that we've talked a lot about is like the polyamory and it's, it's really a mindset and it's, and it's a, a set of communication. Like there's things that come along with it that are more than just you have multiple partners. Like yeah. there's, there's so much more to it than that. And that you're really keyed in on like, I found that, that the communication was better and that the consent was better and that all of these things were better because they were like, they weren't hidden. They weren't, yeah, they weren't swept under the rug and assumed you just yeah. talked about them openly. Yeah. I, I really see it as almost like a philosophy where, you know, so often in like, con- in, conventional culture in the way that movies and TV talk about relationships. It's like the, you complete me or, or your mine, you know, there's this like possessiveness and I've just never resonated with that. Um, you know, we're independent people and we can obviously like complement each other's lives and bring like so much pleasure and, you know, deepen our experiences together. But the idea that like someone is my possession because they're my partner feels like really uncomfortable to me. And it always has. Yeah. I quoted Esther Perel before, but I'll quote her again. She says, our partner is always on loan with the option to renew kind of like a library book. And that's like really how I think of it is it's like, we're, yeah, it's, it's, it's a choice and a commitment every day, you know, to choose the the other person. Yeah. I'm just curious too, in any of your previous relationships, uh, did any of this ever come up or just dis- be discussed or, or, no, or anything? None. Like, nothing. No. In fact, it's interesting because my last relationship, I wouldn't even call, I wouldn't call this a relationship, obviously, but my last uh, really meaningful relationship was with a man. We started out dating and I don't know what his experience was. For me, there was no physical chemistry. It was actually like negative physical chemistry, if you will. And yet he has such a place in my heart. I connect with him so deeply on like a soul level. And um, about three months in, I, you know, I shared, I, I gave it like as good a shot as I could, you know, and, and was very open to trying to see if we could develop the physical chemistry wasn't there. And so, you know, I shared that with him as um, delicately as I could and also shared how meaningful our connection was to me. And I even had, I had mentioned to him, would you be open to exploring consensual non-monogamy? And that horrified him. And I think the reason why is his dad was a chronic philanderer. And so his association with his father is just like, infidelity, cheating, so many women, so many partners. And I think because of that, it, it he was not open to it, you know, but in doing a lot of reading about polyamory, it's actually super common for people to have a partner. Maybe it's even a nesting partner. That's, it's not a sexual relationship. It's because of their bond. And so if this person that I was just talking about had been, you know, open to that, um, like would have loved to explore that with him. Um, unfortunately he wasn't. So that kind of like momentarily came up in that relationship. But other than that, no. 
Yeah. So you had been like, you're, because you've studied relationships and everything you've, you've been aware of non-monogamy, but you maybe haven't dove into it as deeply as you have like the past few months. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like if it just kind of never occurred to me or maybe I wasn't ready for it. That's okay. Well, what are, what are some of the things maybe that you are really either really excited to explore with it? And on the flip side, like maybe some of the things that you're a little concerned about, like you've gotten a little bit of a taste of like how it can maybe not go the way you hoped, but are there other things that you're worried about or that have come up now that you're like, Oh, now I got to watch out for this and that. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was listening to a multi Amory podcast episode on, um, this is so dorky. This just shows how much I nerd out on this stuff. It was on cognitive biases in relationships. And they talked about this phenomenon called reactance, which is the tendency when we have our personal freedom in some way diminished, let's say it's through like a rule or through another person, subconsciously, so we're probably not aware of it, we're going to push back against the rule as a way to regain our personal freedom. And even if it's something that we don't have a big desire to do, we're going to do everything in our power to do that thing. And again, it's often not on a conscious level. And so what's interesting is, you know, I've been doing a ton of reading and listening and learning about rules versus boundaries versus agreements and how to structure relationships. And um, what I was noticing is in, in my time, dynamic with this guy and this couple, every time we would talk about a sexual act that we wanted to do together, he would say, I just need to run this by B. And I remember every time he said that, it was like, (laughs) I had a really negative reaction. It almost felt like a parental experience where I was, you know, a teenager and I have to check with mom before I get to, you know, drive to my friend's house, you know, but it was about my own body and my own pleasure. And so one of the things I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for is, you know, the the idea of rules that are imposed to control another person's behavior versus sharing boundaries that put limits on my own. So my sense is people who are newer to non-monogamy are going to veer towards rules because they're the the sense is you want to protect the existing couple. And one way, there's like this illusion of protection with rules, although we know that, you know, anytime you're involving people in feelings and sexuality, rules pretty much go out the window pretty fast. And so, yeah, I'll definitely be looking for people who are clear on their boundaries and are, are less so looking to impose rules on a new partner, say like a third, um, and rather are able to articulate here's what's okay with me. Here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what's not. Here's what I do personally when this uh, boundary is violated. So for example, an easy example would be like around sexual health. You know, I'm not comfortable with my partner being fluid bonded with anyone besides me. And if I learn that that happens, then I will use protection with him you know, something like that, where it's the locus of control is within you. Right. I was on that sort of along that same vein. 
if, if in this situation that you were in, if he had come to you and said, here are, you know, my partner and I have talked about the things that we're both comfortable doing and she would prefer I not have, you know, vaginal intercourse with another woman, whether or not it was protected or unprotected. So we're allowed to do everything up to that point. Would that still for you be a sort of a, a, a warning sign, right? Cause there, he's coming to you ahead of time and saying, these are our limits. These are our boundaries. It's not, Hey, I'd love to do this. Okay. Let me go check. Yep. She says I can do that. Hey, I'd like to do this thing. Let me go check. I can do that too. It was coming to you ahead of time. Would that be a different outcome for you? I have so many thoughts about this. <laughs> the first is I, I feel strongly that I need to be included in conversations. So of course the couple can discuss solo what's comfortable, what's coming up for them. But at some point it needs to stop being like this middleman situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say hypothetically, all three of us sat down together and be shared. I'm not comfortable with vaginal intercourse. I would want to know, what do you make it mean? Like why that rule? What's the reasoning behind it? What do you make it mean when C has vaginal intercourse with someone else? I'd really want to get to beneath the surface of the rule. You know, if it's, if it's like, I'm afraid, you know, he won't want to have sex with me. I feel like that's like really a bigger issue that needs to be addressed before anything else happens. Right. Because anytime there's that much fear, then that's the dynamic that I'm playing in. And to me, like love is it's expansion, it's boundless. I don't want to be constantly like entering into this fear dynamic where it's like I'm this threat. And if vaginal intercourse happens, then, you know, the relationship is at risk or like threatened, you know? And then the third piece is to me, it's not like there's, I love touch and there's so many different types of touch that like send me to the moon even like non-sexual touch, like just having my leg rubbed, you know, I love. But to me, it's more that um, it makes me super uncomfortable to have a non-participant in the sexual dynamic or in the relationship, like set rules for it. And I know that, I know that like, it's really common. It just makes me uncomfortable. And it's at that point, it's not even about vaginal intercourse because there's so many other things that are enjoyable to me, but it's about the fact that like rules are being imposed on my, my body and my pleasure. It's just so foreign to me. It's not something I would ever want to do to someone else. It feels really dehumanizing. And yeah, I, I don't know if I would want to, to enter into a dynamic where there was so much fear or there was that power dynamic. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my thought. What are your thoughts? No, I don't. I, I was just kind of really curious on that because one could even you know, draw the parallel and say, well, that's no different than you saying you don't want your partner to have unprotected, you know, unprotected sex with one of his other partners, right? It's the same. It's a, it's imposing a rule Mm -hmm. and it's for your safety in that aspect. But, you know, the, the other woman could be saying, well, unprotected or vaginal intercourse, you know, makes me feel the same way that Oh, I see. Unprotected sex makes Yeah, I mean, if she said, let's say she had like an immunodeficiency and was very um, at risk, 
if, if it was like related to like a really valid health thing, for sure. If it's related to like, he might like it with her more and not want to have sex with me, that's not okay. Because again, that's like the energetic fear dynamic that I don't want to be a part of, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, and no, that's fair. And I was just kind of curious. And, and this isn't like, a, well, what about this? What about this? What yeah. about this? I don't want it to seem like I'm like <laughs> interrogating you. I was just, just curious because, you know, these are, I think these are things that a lot of people come up against. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then you start having to ask yourself, like, what about, yeah, what about this situation? What about that situation? And really determine what you're comfortable with. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's, and a lot of times you don't even think about that situation until you're in it. And then you're like, oh shit, I didn't ever think I'd be here, yeah. you know, sitting yeah. at a table with two people where he's having to ask her if he can do this thing with me. Like yeah. that's probably not something you imagined would ever happen, you know, six months ago. Yeah. It's so weird. It feels so weird to me. And I would even say like, again, it's not about the sex. It's about, it's, I think it's really two things for me. It's the fear and it's the someone telling someone else what they can do or can't do with their body. Right. Um, it would be the same thing if, if let's say one of the rules was you're not allowed to like touch her leg during dinner. Like it would be, it'd be the same thing. You know, I, it just, it makes me super uncomfortable just from, a, yeah. from an autonomy, like from my freedom, my sovereignty, which is like such a huge part of the human experience feels super uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on the, I guess on the flip side, what are some of the things that you're like, now that you've, you've dipped your toes in and you've done a whole bunch of research on it, what are some of the things that you're really excited to explore about it? Really excited to explore just like talking through what comes up for people. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, it sounds like more of the conversation, like a lot, just diving deep into some of the new conversations. Yeah. What's coming up for you? What are you, what are you nervous about? What are you excited about? Um, How did, you know, how did that feel for you? Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Right. Yeah. I was just going to jump back to the the other couple and, and almost give them a little bit of credit on the sense that, you know, it sounded like he communicated very well with you, right? It, so one of the things, maybe backing up even further, that, <laughs> that, that I've talked about or that we've talked a lot about is the, the term unicorn hunting. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who absolutely hate it. They say it's the worst thing in the world and it's unethical. And, all, and, and we've always kind of come at it from a perspective of like, if everybody in the relationship has their sovereignty to do what they want to do, yeah. And they're informed and they know what's going on. To us, there's not a huge issue, right? And in this case, this was a very clear cut, like they were unicorn. They were looking for a woman Mm -hmm. to have threesomes with. And then they said, well, maybe we can fit her into our box anyways. And then when it was clear you weren't getting into their box, it was like, well, maybe we can try to fit into her box. And then that clearly didn't work, right? But I think throughout the whole thing, like he communicated very clearly and came back at the end and said like, Hey, you have to do what's good for you. I'm going to do what's good for us. And like, we're just not a fit right now. So it wasn't, there was no manipulation. There was no trickery. It was like, we're going to try it. Didn't work. And it wasn't going to work for you. And you guys just had to like go your separate ways, which. Well, I I think it sounds like the real, 
when they kind of put the limitation of like no converse, no communication for two weeks, that was the kind of like the trigger for you of like, oh, well, maybe this isn't really what I thought it was. Yeah, it did feel a little bit like there's, I don't want to say an incompatibility, but there's a divide around yeah. relationship structure philosophy. And right. it did feel a little bit like I was trying to be inserted into a very, very specific narrow hole to try to like alleviate some of the discord around that or, or kind of like lessen the, the different poles there. And I think what for me was upsetting is it, it did feel like there were, and, and I think like, I think they're really great people with really the best of intentions. And I don't think at any moment during any of this, was there any type of like deception or manipulation? Right. I think all of this was coming from like a very heartfelt place. I did feel a little bit, I don't want to say objectified, but not treated like an equal human being when things got tough and they went into like protect the established couple mode. I felt kind of like dropped and like there was not a lot of care or consideration towards my experience because they were so there was just clearly like so much triggering around the couple dynamic you know right. what's going on this is all happening so fast right right and so that that did not feel good um right. you know and and when i reached out to see like in our last text exchange i said it's really important to me to be with someone who can remain emotionally available to me in a consensual non-monogamy dynamic while also being a container for his partner if she's hurt or triggered. And it's also super important that I'm with someone who can create his own boundaries that are separate from his partners, you know, in a, in a moment where there's like triggering and hurt. Um, Cause that's one of the things I noticed is like he I don't think he needed two weeks, but I think because his partner was triggered, you know, he, he, he took on her boundary. And I don't know if that was like her telling him, like, you absolutely cannot talk to this person, or if it was him seeing her being hurt and saying, okay, she doesn't want me to contact Leia. So I'm not going to, and him not like having his own voice. I know they're seeing a a poly couples therapist. I don't know if like the couples therapist said you absolutely cannot talk to this woman for two weeks, but whatever it was, it felt really shitty. And this person who was like super emotionally available to me suddenly became not just like emotionally unavailable, but physically unavailable. Right. And to me, that's just a deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, for sure. And I think, and, and I would say that the vast majority of, well, again, to use this derogatory term, the unicorn hunters out there, there, there are probably very few of them have malicious intent. I would say a very, very, very small percent. Right. But it's, I think a lot of times it's, we're going to try this thing. And this thing is we want to try a threesome with another woman. And then feelings happen. People get scared. People get worried about their, like you said, their established relationship dynamic. And I guess, you've been quoting Esther Perel. I'll go the other direction with Mike Tyson and say, right. Every, <laughs> everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. And, yeah. and if they're like, well, we're going to do the threesome with this hot chick and she's going to come over. And then when we're done with her, she's going to go home and she's going to leave us alone. And yeah. 
our relationship's going to be just fine. And, and then it doesn't go that way. And they, you just, you don't know what to do. Right. And oftentimes the end result is, well, we're going to shut this third person out to save what we've already established. And I mean, for you, good, good on you, right. That you were strong enough, right. Cause there's, I'm sure there's many women who are like, well, I guess that's, you know what I am. I'm just their third and they'll call me when they're ready. And for you, you were like, Hey, this isn't working. That's not, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. And then good on them to be like, Hey, then it, like you do, it wasn't like, Oh no, no, we're going to be fine. We're just, you know, hold on a little bit longer. We'll get you back in there. Like they, they didn't do any of that. So I think it's all in all, like a really good learning experience for you, honestly, probably a really good learning experience for them. Um, and one, one other thing I was curious if, if he had come to you and said, Hey, we, I really like you. I want to continue exploring this, but like, this didn't go how we had planned on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I want to continue exploring this, but I need to take a step back so her and I can work through them through some things so we can come back at this the right way. Would, would that have felt better than she says, I can't talk to you for two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks. Okay. So you're saying rather than the, the two week pause, if he had said B is really triggered and hurt. And we need, we need a couple sessions with our couples therapists to deal with this. Uh, you know, would you be open to taking a pause? Um, yeah, that would have felt very different to me. I think I also, just because of what I know about relationships, it just is so clear to me that this is not a welcoming energetic dynamic for me to be entering into, right? There's, there's a lot of like fear and I'm not saying it's invalid. I'm just saying what I'm sensing is it's just, they're not ready for, they're not ready for someone else to enter into their dynamic right now. There's so much they need to get clear on and they need to work through before it would be a safe space. Um, So as much as, you know, I told, I told C, I'm like, I don't feel this connection often. I'm like, this is maybe like a once or twice in a decade type feeling that I'm having. And yet still, it's like an absolute no brainer to me. You know, it just, it's not, it's not a safe space to enter into. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's tough. That's a tough call to make. Yeah, and, I th- and I think the reason I was kind of asking that is because I would venture to guess that in the future, Right. For anybody exploring non-monogamy, like you may enter into a relationship with somebody who's already in a relationship. And that may be something that comes up where they're like, hey, like, I really want to keep exploring this with you, but I need to pull back to sort out some things in this other relationship. And in a way to do that without making you feel less Mm -hmm. than the other partner, but also like they you know, they, at the same time, that other relationship is still very important to them and they don't want to lose that one. Yeah. And that's, that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose them. Yeah. I need to like, I need to get my own shit straight. And I understand if you're not going to be there on the flip side, but like, yeah. I can't pretend. And yeah, I, maybe it's delivery. I feel like that's kind of what he did or was trying to do. I yeah. think, I think, um, you know, he, he was trying to create that space for re-entry. 
and I shared that I, I saw us having like pretty different relationship visions. Yeah. And that's when he said, you know, would you be open to, he, he said to me, would you be open uh, to reconnecting in six months or a year? And I know myself. And if I have strong romantic and sexual feelings for someone, I can't go from that to be friends. That's like a very inauthentic elephant in the room type experience for me. And so that's when I said, like, if, you know, if you're open emotionally and physically for connection, you know, definitely open to reconnecting. If it's just because we had a beautiful connection and you want to stay in touch with me, but you're still with this partner and she's not open to non-monogamy. No, that's not a fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much of that relationship too. I think that it, while it was only like your only non-monogamous experience, I think it was super powerful and a lot had a lot of twists and turns that I think, you know, we touched on a lot of really important pieces of it. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks to both of you. Yeah. Well, was there, I mean, any other thoughts that you had on, as you start to go back out there and look for other people, First of all, do you think you'll continue using field? And if you do, <laughs> yeah. like, have you tweaked your profile to maybe put the right bait out there for the next? Or have person? you tried any other dating uh, apps or sources, websites, <laughs> sources? <laughs> sources. <laughs> yeah. um, so I definitely updated my field profile. So I'm identifying as solo poly. I would say there's not massive familiarity on fields. There is like greater self-awareness than other dating apps, but I still think that a lot of people when they're on dating apps don't even read the profile, you know, it's pictures for the most part. So uh, even if you do have someone who reads the profile, you know, 50-50% chance they'll know what solo poly is. That's fine. And then I, uh, I've joined a couple discussion groups on Facebook about polyamory that have been great. And what I learned to my surprise is that OkCupid is actually like kind of like really the front runner in terms of non-monogamous dating. And they even have like specificity around monogamous or non-monogamous. And I haven't been on OkCupid probably for like 20 years, um, but I did restart a profile. And, um, you know, the gentleman that I mentioned earlier was someone who I met on OkCupid and, you know, making connections and um, there's a lot of responsiveness, which is nice. So yeah. And in terms of like lessons learned, you know, I'm really early on asking people, you know, what draws you to non-monogamy? How do you structure your relationship? Questions like that will, that will give me a sense. And people are like really detailed and really self-aware and, um, and that's been great. So just like uh, what I've noticed is in monogamous dating kind of getting to those questions would really i don't know maybe turn people off or be like kind of out, outside the norm whereas in non-monogamous dating it's like totally the norm so that's really refreshing right. and then you know being able to ask about like veto power and is it a hierarchy based relationship and is it a primary partner um you know is there like what's what agreements do you have is 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 it ongoing permission you know 
just kind of getting clarity on what dynamic I'm stepping into. And it's interesting because I've been, I've been really listening to a lot of podcasts. And what I've heard is like a lot of people stay away from couples that are in their first two years of opening up because there is a lot of like opening and then closing and then sorting through feelings and then reopening and then something else happens. So that was really interesting to hear too. And just like something to consider as well. Right. Is dating somebody in a monogamous sense, something that you're still open to, or have you jumped off the monogamy train and you're full on non-monogamous or bust from here on out? To me, it's more of a philosophy. So for example, the guy that I was um, chatting with earlier today, who said he identifies as monogamous, but he's read ethical slut and he's had partners who've been open to it. And some elements really resonate with him. Great. Um, I don't need them to like have 10 partners, you know, but it's more of a philosophy that like your partner isn't yours, you know, there it's, it's a choice. It's a conscious choice that you make every day in choosing that, like things like that really resonate. Um, And, you know, I, I shared with him tonight, like not looking to have kids, like really like living alone, like not totally against marriage, but also like don't dream of, you know, having a wedding every day. So I, I'm finding myself like being like really just forward about that earlier on. And I think it, it will either resonate with people or it won't. And if it doesn't resonate, great. And if it does, great. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. Yeah. No, I do too. Is, is there anything that we, we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? And, and we also wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe talk about your Facebook group a little bit and the, the community that you've created and maybe how people can find it, join it, be a part of it, even, even though it's not necessarily non-monogamy specific. Again, we're not, we're not like shut down to anything that's not non-monogamy here. Yeah, so totally. just if it's a resource that helps people, we'd love to put it out there. Great. Um, For me, one of the big lessons learned is I feel so self-honoring in how I handled this situation. I think that for quite a while, I've had strong self-awareness and good boundaries. I think where I haven't showed up for myself as well as I would like is when I have felt really strong connection, which I'm just someone I don't feel that super often. And, um, when I'm with someone who's like deeply meeting me, my strongest needs that tend not to be met, which are like emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, like really great communication. It's been hard for me to like, as soon as I see that this it's, you know, it's not going to work that I, I share a boundary and they're not able to honor it or whatever it might be that I've, I've ended it immediately. Or, or exited the dynamic or how, you know, however you want to say it. And I did that in this situation. And I, there's, you know, as painful as it can be to feel the sense of loss of someone who, you know, was really just like exploding your world in so many good ways. There's no better feeling than like honoring yourself and your needs and not self-abandoning to save a connection that's really meaningful for you. And yeah. so I would say to anyone who's going through a similar situation, whether it's polyamorous or monogamous or early stages of dating, that there's just so much value in being aware of your needs and being able to show up for them. So that's a huge lesson and a really beautiful um, 
moment that came out of all of this. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and doing that, I mean, that's easy to do, right? If like the connection oh, yeah. isn't there or whatever, but if you're but, like, if everything's off the charts, yeah. except for <laughs> this piece, then you're like, ah, so fuck, hard. I don't yeah. want to do this, but yeah. I'm going to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's been cool because I shared, I've, I've been sharing the story in this group that I started on Facebook and it's been so fast. It's a very engaged, curious, open, vulnerable community. And I've been getting so many DMs from people who are, um, who are trying to show up for themselves and have boundaries and struggling and asking for my advice and like asking me to like craft, you know, craft a script for them to communicate a boundary with a partner, which is all stuff I love. Like I dork out on that. Um, But it's amazing. Like there's so much power in sharing your story and from a place of both like vulnerability and self-awareness and self-honoring. And so I would also encourage anyone, if you've had an experience like find a safe platform to share it and use, use your story to be like of service or to inform or inspire others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, the other big piece that comes out of that is people saying, yeah, me too. Yeah. I've had this. And you realize that you're, you're not, not alone, alone yes. and that you're not crazy, right? Yeah. Like those are really powerful things to learn about yourself in a, in a very hard situation. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just, my question, I'm curious, what, like what drew you to start that? Oh, the group. Yeah. Um, I have to, I have to share two other insights that have been really interesting. So, okay. You can do that first. Yeah. Okay. In me, in me sharing, um, sharing my story within the group, number one, there have been some people who are in B's situation. So they are in a couple that's trying to open up and the woman is getting really triggered or let's say the guy's getting triggered too. And so they've, they've shared how impactful it is to hear my side or, or my experience. And I've really appreciated because I have a lot of like, not close relationships, but I, I know and care about these people. So when someone I know and care about shares this experience, it allows me to be more empathetic, which I really appreciate. And it's also really interesting because it's really only in the last month that I've been like exploring and talking about polyamory. But, you know, I just booked a Facebook Live with uh, her name is Ellie Chef, Dr. Ellie Chef. She wrote the, um, she wrote stories from the polycule um, and she has a couple other books as well. So we just booked a Facebook Live in the group with her and I'm sharing about polyamory and resources and it's insane how many people have come out of the woodwork talking about it, whether they're in dynamics or interested about them. And so oh, I was laughing so much because in my conversation with Esther Perel, which was about a month ago, I asked, I asked her a question about this dynamic. And then I shared the interview with my dad and my dad Uh, you know, my dad's in his seventies. He's actually a psychologist, but he's like really old school and much more private than me. And he said, Leia, you know, I'd be careful about sharing this private personal information about you on the internet. And I was like, kind of offended because he's basically telling me to like hide my identity, you know, and my sister's gay. And, you know, she came out when in her early thirties and he was like pretty good about that. I think he has some like, I think he has some beliefs about polyamory, you know, some like 
negative beliefs. So it was just interesting to hear. So there's been, there's just been like this beautiful ripple effect of like vulnerability and sharing and curiosity. Um, the group is called the Esther Perel discussion group on Facebook. We talk about infidelity. We talk about eroticism, desire, relationships, dating, uh, masculinity. So it's a, it's an, it's very safe. There is no shaming. There's no judgment allowed. We have a zero tolerance policy around that. And um, it's about 12,000 members from across the world. We often do Facebook lives. We have um, a free women's group that we do um, weekly Zoom calls on Saturday about relationship topics, which has been magnificent. And yeah, you're welcome to join us on Facebook. Uh, I also have a show called Song Therapy, where we unpack the relationship dysfunction in popular songs. Um, so, um, I think I provided a link to check out some of those episodes as well. And if you're going through something similar, you're always welcome to DM me on Facebook. I'm still a newbie to this, but I've started to create like a whole compilation of resources, some of my favorite podcast episodes, blogs. Yeah. Just like quick, easy reference points around common things that come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long have you been doing the group? Oh, oh, you asked me how I started the group. So I founded the group in September of 2017. So it'll be about three years. And I had just gotten ghosted. And this was a guy who I felt crazy chemistry with. This was maybe, yeah, this was like three years ago. Oh my goodness. It was just, it was really amazing. Um, And we only dated for two months and he ghosted And right after that experience, I was at an event called Summit of Greatness that's put on by a podcaster, Lewis Howes, who has a podcast called School of Greatness. And every year, uh, he brings about 10 incredible speakers to his hometown of Columbus, Ohio, for a summit where we're doing like high intensity workouts. And there are like parties with amazing DJs at night. And then we're learning during the day. So all things I love. And the very first year I went, Esther um, Perel was, um, she was the speaker that stood out to me. And she had this closing line in her talk. She said, in dating and relationships, we're often picked for a role that we didn't audition for. And I didn't know this at the time with this guy, but uh, he was just out of a long-term relationship when he met me. So it was like the type of thing, like he had a really nasty breakup. And then that night he joined a, a, you know, a dating app. And I had been like, I was like really ready for like a really meaningful connection. And um, yeah, so I picked him. Um, you know, I thought he was a nice Jewish boy who was really funny and smart. And he picked me because he thought, uh, you know, I was like going to be like the rebound. And I remember thinking like how profound that was and so true and just wanting to talk about it with people And I have like wonderful, smart, intellectual friends, but I think talking about relationships is just like kind of an acquired interest. And so that day I founded the group, not thinking anything about it. And, you know, it's all been organic growth. Like we don't, you know, we don't do advertising or anything. Um, You know, Esther is her own best like marketer, really. And it's just grown organically. And there's just so much engagement and so much great advice People are really into learning in the group. So it's not just like dump him, you know, when someone posts like a really um, vulnerable, raw question. It's like really, really thoughtful advice grounded in the best books and 
learning and experiences. And, you know, a lot of people join either because they just experienced an affair or or in the aftermath of an affair, or maybe they're like involved in an affair. So we have, it's a, it's a delicate dynamic in that we have people who've been the betrayed in an affair. We have like the betrayers, we have the other person and they're all vulnerably sharing and we keep it very safe for everyone involved. So um, yeah, it's a great safe open space to talk about relationship dynamics. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, So, and thank you so much for doing all that work and for putting that out there because it is very important and obviously people have found you and that's amazing. So, and found each other in, yeah. in that, in that group. Yeah. Right. Right. And before we go, I just wanted to again say thank you, but also I wanted to circle back in case there were some unicorn hunters listening, <laughs> thinking that like the, that searching for a woman that will come in and then leave when they want, like that's still, a, I honestly think that that's a valid thing. If it is communicated to the person, because I know we have heard from women who like, they want to be that person. They don't want to, they don't want the deep connection. They don't want, they want to show up, have some hot sex with another couple, and then they want to disappear and don't want to be bothered until the next time they want it. Right. And so there's like, there's a match for everybody, but it's about communicating it on the front end and making sure everyone has the autonomy to get what they want out of that situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there in case somebody was listening was like, fuck you, Finn. (laughs) So you can still think that, but I'm just saying that it's valid. It's just, you've got to communicate it and you've got to be willing when the person says not for me to let them go, let them find what they want and not try to keep them on the hook because whatever you want to get out of them. Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts before we say goodbye? No, just again, wanted to reiterate. It was just so great. You know, um, when I experienced the, the request for the two week pause, it was just really kind of jarring, you know, to go from a night of like such incredible connection and intimacy to, <laughs> to like silence, you know, in a moment of conflict and just so appreciated you both taking the time to, share your experiences and your perspective with me. Um, I just really appreciated it. And it was very helpful in terms of me kind of processing what happened and, and getting to, um, you know, to the place that I'm at now. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you again for coming on, for doing all the work you're doing, for creating the groups you've created Mm -hmm. and the spaces you've created um, and helping the people you've helped. So And links to everything will be in the show notes as always. Yeah. Great. And have a wonderful evening and uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Ben. And we're back. You didn't join me this time. I know. I was just befuddled at how that intro was over (laughs) over six minutes. We're like, we're going to keep it short. And then we fucking yammered on for almost seven minutes. And I don't even know how it got to be seven minutes. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. We did. So, well, thank you for listening to all of that yammering. You know, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But we hope you enjoyed listening to Leia's story. Uh, We're super excited to get it out there and share it. It's powerful. Yeah. So, thank, thank you, you Leah, Leah, for reaching out and coming on the show and just for everything you're doing for, with your community and in general, we really appreciate it. And we are so excited to share this story. Yeah. And throughout this interview, she mentioned quite a few different dating apps. We wanted to uh, remind everybody that you can also check out Alt Playground, go to altplayground.net. You can meet other amazing 
uh, non-monogamous people. And some maybe who aren't. Maybe they're just open-minded, looking for a good time. Yep. Yeah. And if you're looking to meet these awesome, amazing people in person, we would highly recommend going over to the show notes and clicking on the links for stdcheck.com. There you can get tested for STIs. It's quick and easy and discreet. It's the way we get tested and we highly recommend it. And by using the links in our show notes, you support the show. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, we super duper appreciate it. And again, as Emma said, that's the service that we use to get tested regularly. Um, and we love it. So the other thing we would recommend if you're going to meet these people in person is to put a fucking mask on your face. <laughs> yes. Put one on their face. Maybe bring a spare. If they didn't bring one, you just you just reach over and you just put it on them. <laughs> Sanitize your hands first. So do that. Keep everybody safe. The faster we get rid of this fucking virus, the faster we can all get back to meeting people in real life. Yes. So please be careful. Be safe out there. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And... Thank you for supporting the show. We do appreciate it. And what, you're just smiling, staring off into the abyss. Were you thinking about putting a mask on somebody? Yeah, pretty much. I was going to be like, when we go on a date, just like bag, reach over and... Put two masks on them? <laughs> it's not like condoms. Don't wear two condoms. Put one of those face masks, too. Yeah, triple up. Next, <laughs> Next week, week. Oh, nailed it. We have an interview with Sophie and Brandon. And they... Actually, I'm not even gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. You then. are. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. They're amazing. They're... It's an amazing story, and we're really excited about it. You will be blown away. Uh huh. Okay, we've been rambling a while. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Leia, again for coming on the show. And we'll see everyone in a week. Yes, ma'am. Have a good week, everyone.